This is the Champion Forum Podcast with Jeff Hancher, the forum for leaders, champions, and dreamers. Welcome back, everybody, to the Champion Forum Podcast. I am your host and your number one fan, Jeff Hancher. I could not be more excited to have our guest on the show today. Today, I have on the show Dennis Volpe. Dennis is a principal leadership development consultant and executive performance coach with the Leadership Institute. During the past few years, Dennis has worked very extensively with emerging leaders and developing talent programs with several Fortune 500 and in the nonprofit space. Dennis's understanding of leadership comes from his time in the United States Naval Academy his 20 years of leadership and operational experience as a career naval officer to include command at sea and from a variety of academic and intellectual pursuits. Dennis is a Columbia University certified executive coach, a Gallup certified strengths coach, and and is certified in a variety of assessments to provide whole person coaching and these types of experiences for his clients. He's also a board member for the Patriot Resilience Leader Institute and Camp Resilience, which combine outdoor experimental learning activities, as well as facilitated peer-to-peer counseling and life skill workshops for military veterans, first responders, and their families. But wait, there's more. Dennis loves the outdoors. He's passionate about college rugby and, and is a big lacrosse fan, and he is an avid triathlete. Dennis and his wife, Amanda, live in the greater Manchester, New Hampshire area with their dog, Nimitz. Dennis Volpe, welcome to the Champion Forum podcast. So good to have you on. Jeff, thanks for having me. Uh, I've been looking forward to this uh, all week, and uh, I, I look forward to the conversation. No doubt. Well, listen, uh, you know, when I got to learn a little bit more about you, uh, your career, Anybody that's been listening to this show knows that uh, I'm a big advocate for veterans and not just for the sake of being an advocate for veterans, but I think veterans, they provide a different lens to leadership. They provide, uh, you know, different perspective. I think they help people find different perspectives into leadership. So first and foremost, I want to thank you for your service to our country. And I thought it would be fitting you know, as we're celebrating this time of season, uh, celebrating our freedom and celebrating the 4th of July to have a decorated veteran on the show uh, to speak about some of those things. And I believe that military service, like I said, it brings a different vantage point on leadership principles. It allows other leaders that might be listening to have the ability to find true perspective in what leadership stress and pressure really are. Uh, you know, I think I told you this, Dennis, um, when, we, when we initially met and had a conversation, you know, when I was in the corporate space and, you know, I would have uh, team members or subordinates come to me rattled about a big projection that I would give them or that, the, you know, their peak performer quit and, and they're just coming in rattled, pulling their hair out and man, Hanch, well, how do you stay so calm and collected and you never get rattled? I'm like, this isn't real pressure. You know, real pressure is defending your life. Real pressure is, you know, having hundreds or thousands of people reporting to you while defending an enemy. So Dennis, again, I appreciate uh, the 20 years of service. 
I appreciate your time being on the show and I'm looking forward to unpacking some of those stories over those 20 years. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, Jeff. And I appreciate your service. Uh, it's always good to have a conversation uh, with a fellow veteran. Uh, even, even if you did your service in the army, uh, <laughs> you know, we still have to be friends. That's right. That's, that's the ultimate in, uh, finding common ground, right? Exactly. We joke, we joke about it, but I got to tell you, you wouldn't want to do it without each other, right? hundred percent. We see that in the, in the, in the business world with like sales and ops, you know, sales is, uh, you know, the pricing's too low and ops is like, we need more profit. Well, we need top line growth. Like you go back and forth, but the reality is you can't really live without each other. So you better learn how to get along, but it's always fun to uh, pick on the other branches that we have a mutual friend, uh, Rich Cardona, that's also been on the show here and he's obviously a Marine guy and we could go all day with that, but absolutely, we'll we'll leave it as uh, thanking uh, everybody for their service. Absolutely. So I want to jump right in, uh, you know, thinking about your 20 years of service and I didn't, you know, I didn't retire from the military. I had eight years, but I know even in my eight years, I could, I could create probably 15 podcast shows about some of my experiences and the things that happened, the things I would like to do over the things I learned. So thinking back on your 20 years of service, I'm sure that you experienced some amazing things, some mountaintops and probably some valleys. But if you had to reflect back on your tenure, what is the most interesting sea story that, that you have? <clears throat> and maybe also talk to us about why you chose to go into the service academy. But what what's maybe one or two stories that stand out to you from, you know, your time at sea or deployment or whatever it might be that would, uh, that leaders could identify with? Sure. Well, I'll start with the service academy first, uh, if that's okay, Jeff. Sure, uh, sure. I, I chose to uh, go to the Naval Academy really because my family has had, uh, you know, a history of service to our country. And so my father was a Vietnam era infantry Marine. I had an uncle who was also a, a Vietnam uh, infantry Marine. Uh, I had a, an uncle who was a corpsman in the Navy during the Cuban Missile Crisis. And uh, both my grandfathers uh, served in World War II, one in the Navy in the Pacific and one uh, you know, in the Army uh, in Europe. So service and service to your country and service to your community was just something that was part of of my every day. So going into the service was something that I was going to do. And then when I had the opportunity to go to a service academy to really be with people that wanted to commit themselves to, to a life of service, whether that was in the military, in the government or in their community, it was something that I wanted to do. And uh, it provided me the opportunity to be with people that really, really were committed to the betterment of, of our country. Sure. And uh, when, I, when I think about some sea stories, uh, I, I think about two. <laughs> and um, one was uh, during a counter-narcotics deployment down in the Caribbean. Hmm. And uh, it was a six-month deployment. Uh, and uh, we had an embarked Coast Guard detachment. And we, I ended up being on a modern-day prize crew. You know, when you think of like you know, Pirates of the Caribbean or, or whatever, but me and, and, and 
10 boarding team members uh, took over a uh, Patamanian scrap metal hauler. Wow. And uh, had to you know, take it f- across the uh, Caribbean uh, and uh, bring it into one of the busiest harbors in the world. And uh, what it taught me was reality and sharing reality matters, empathy matters, and you know what? You can actually do anything you put your mind to. Mm-hmm. And um, what I mean by that is, you know, our reality on board that ship, because it, it really wasn't seaworthy, was very, very different than the reality my contemporaries had on, on the ship that was escorting us. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of, you know, we were really at risk of, of capsizing if, mm-hmm. we, if we didn't pay attention to the, the ballast system. Um, and a lot of their navigation systems and electrical systems were compromised uh, before the crew uh, left the ship. And as a result, that made things hard. And uh, so that's the being, being able to understand and appreciate one's reality is important. That's, and, that's, uh, uh, that's really interesting talking through that. And I'm just thinking about at some point you got some orders that you're going to go and take over this ship, right? Right. How do you start processing something like that? You know, because I think in leadership, sometimes that happens to us in business. It happens. I mean, we're going through it now, a pandemic hits. This isn't business as usual. Uh, we're changing how we do business. We're changing how we service customers. Customers want us wearing masks, but our employees don't want to wear masks. We, we, get, we get these reports and it's like you have very little time to react and it's, it's time to go. And you talk about living in the reality. How do you process some of that as a leader? And I'm sure you have people that are going to be supporting you uh, as the leader in this effort. How do you lay this out? Like that's a, like not many people in the world have a story like that. Like, hey, we're going to go take this ship over. We're going to bring it into harbor. It, it, they could not be friendly. Uh, it could get combative. It, it could, you know, it could get violent. How do you process some of that? And how do you push that message out to your team? Well, I think uh, uh, reflecting upon that, Jeff, the, uh, a lot of it is based on intent and purpose. And do you know what, what the purpose is of, of your organization and what your mission is? What's the objective? And uh, we knew what our objective was. And we were there to, you know, interdict um, narcotics at sea and make the world a safer place. So with that, and then focusing on making sure that your team, however big or small it is, knows their roles and responsibilities and you train to it. And I know when you think about your time in the army, you can relate to that. And even in the corporate space, everybody knows what they're supposed to do and what they're responsible for. But going back to making sure that there's a shared consciousness of reality up the organization and down the organization. So people can really say, okay, this is what we're going to do. And this is why we're going to do it. And then really making sure that there's, there's alignment in terms of the strategic and tactical priorities that need to get done so you can focus your effort on the matter at hand and what has to get done. So all that stuff comes from structure before the actual event, mm-hmm. making sure that people understand purpose, making sure that the people involved 
you have the right people doing the right things and they're in the right position to do it and that the perspective is where it needs to be for everybody that's involved and that the plan makes sense. Hmm. How often do you revisit Mm -hmm. the plan? Oh yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, I always like to talk about uh, General Eisenhower or President Eisenhower. I think he said it when he was, when he was a general, but, you know, plans are useless. It's right. the planning that matters mm-hmm. and actually thinking about what you have to do and what's the worst case scenario and making sure that you're ready for that. And then everything else is downhill. That's so good. You know, something that you said, I think every leader listening, has to take hold of this point that Dennis just mentioned, and it's so important. He said, know your mission and know your objective. I I think that is so, so important because here's what what we know in business, uh, in leadership, is that, to your point, Dennis, the the most well-planned strategy, there's going to be things that come up that you're not aware of. Like, you can plan all day to take over a ship full of narcotics, but until you actually engage, you really don't know what's possible. And you could have uh, subordinates saying, this is crazy. Like, why are we going to do this? Why are we going to risk our life? Like this really doesn't affect our country. Um, it, the same thing goes in business. Why do I have to dig this ditch? Well, it's because we're building a cathedral up on top of that hill. And we need this ditch, Doug, because this is where the utilities are going to be run. And that cathedral is going to be a beacon of light for this entire city. It's going to shine. It's going to help people become better people. Now we've given that ditch digger some purpose. And, and Dennis, I think that is such a good point, is that as leaders, we're constantly talking about the mission, the purpose behind the mission, the why we call it. And I think what that helps our teams, as well as the leader, leaders that don't get rattled, the reason they don't get rattled, I find, is because their mission is bigger than the problem. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and that's part of uh, mental toughness. Yeah. Emotional endurance. Yeah. When your commitment to that objective, your commitment to that mission is greater than your personal, your commitment to your personal comfort. And um, I got that definition probably about a month and a half ago. And it was something that I had always thought about and I've always did, but I never had it defined in, in such a, a crystallized way for me. And it was crystallized by a fellow Naval Academy graduate who spent, uh, you know, his time in the SEAL teams. So Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So many veterans that I've spoken to, Dennis, have had the ability to use their experiences to be effective leaders tremendously effective leaders. What are some of your experiences that maybe have impacted how you look at things or solve problems? And there's a lot of people listening that don't have military experience. How can they adopt some of these same ideals? So what are some of your experiences and how have they impacted you to look at problems or, or solve problems differently? Sure. When, when I think about you know, how I, I look at problems, uh, a couple of things come to mind, and it's not necessarily all my military experience. Um, I've I've been involved with in team sports my entire life, whether whether it's football, whether it's lacrosse, or whether it's rugby. And you know what 
the lessons that you learn on a sports field when you're committed to something bigger than yourself, to that sense of purpose, that why, mm-hmm. it provides some lessons that you really, really cannot you know, get away from. And, and truly, it's that shared sense of purpose. But also on the other side of it, it's that shared adversity. That's right? Good. And knowing that you have to keep score. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's really good perspective. Keeping score is important. Uh, there's no question about that. But I think also, you know, when, whenever we think of uh, military experience, things like that, I think people have a sense of what they think that is. Uh, but maybe give the listener a breath of even your last few years uh, in service. How many people were you leading? How many, like, what was the heaviness of your responsibility to give some perspective to the listener of kind of what your assignment was and who you were leading? Sure. Um, I'd like to talk about my command tour. Yeah, I was a commanding officer of a, of a guided missile frigate. Uh, with an embarked uh, helicopter detachment. So in terms of personnel, it was about 250. And, um, you know, one of the things that you you think about and you really internalize as a leader, but you don't think about the totality of it until you're going on deployment and you're literally getting ready to leave the, the pier to go out to sea and and go across the Atlantic and somebody's mother looks you straight in the eye and says, make sure my son gets home safe. Hmm. And you're like, okay, (laughs) Um, got it. Um, Now, obviously she didn't have complete you know, situational awareness. And, right. I, and I say that because I don't think she realized that her son was a search and rescue swimmer. So he was certified to go jump out in the water and make sure other people were safe. Right. Uh, so she didn't realize, you know, how much her son did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that really impacted me, not only on a professional level, but on a personal level. Man, and, I- you know, just on that note, Dennis, I think, um, you know, when you say that, because I'm a big, big advocate of servant leadership, I'm a huge advocate of engaging your team, understanding their why, what's their passion, all of these things. And man, what a story of servant leadership. You have this, this mom, you're thinking about your team, that puts a heaviness on a leader, you know, thinking about there's, there's life beyond just the mission. And in business, I think that happens a lot as well. We're out there driving towards KPIs, driving profits, whatever it might be. But I have found that the best leaders that accomplish the mission, the very best, they find out what's important to their team uh, on a personal level. What are their career goals? What are their financial goals? You know, I have people all the time that tell me, uh, you know, Jeff, why, you know, why don't you, why don't your employees work as hard as you work? Why shouldn't everybody do what the leader does? Because they're not the leader. It would be insane for the business that I'm running right now to expect my copywriter to have the same urgency as I do. But I think what we can all do as leaders is find out what drives them. My goals are different. My aspirations are different. I'm sure yours were as well, Dennis. You, you had responsibility for hundreds, if not thousands of people. 
that means you're probably going to have longer days and a little bit more to process. But I think when you can find out what is it about your people that drives them, what pushes them, I think it makes you more effective. How did you adopt that as a military leader? And how have you seen that transcend into uh, the business world? Absolutely. No, Jeff, I appreciate the question. Uh, one of the unique opportunities I had during my career was, was to go back to the Naval Academy to go back to the Naval Academy as a leadership development instructor. So I had the opportunity to get an advanced degree in leadership development and then teach it to freshmen and, and juniors at the, at the Naval Academy. And um, with that, I had the uh, you know, opportunity to teach leadership in the morning uh, and periodically talk about ethics at lunchtime and then coach rugby in the afternoons. But really, it was about the opportunity to unlock human potential mm. on a sports field, but also professionally for emerging leaders who are going into the Navy and the Marine Corps and beyond. And I always looked at, or at least the model that I was introduced to, was the leader, the follower, and the situation. And that situation is going to impact your followers differently than it's going to impact the leader. And it's going to impact the followers differently depending on who they are. And really taking the time, like you talked about, to not only think about your team as a team, but think about your team as individuals mm -hmm. and what are their strengths and le really leveraging those strengths while understanding, you know, their, their weaknesses and how do you make sure that you mitigate those while leveraging their strengths so you can absolutely have the, the most effective team that you can. Well said, well said. You know, I think whenever you, you strike a chord between helping people get to where they want to go as well as making sure that they know who they are. And as leaders, sometimes we have to remind them you know, we've been through the training. You can do this. I've seen you do it. Let's do it now when it matters most. So very well said. I'd like to transition some discussion into uh, some resilience. You know, I, I wasn't sure where our conversation was going to go uh, today, Dennis, but as the time we're recording this podcast, uh, we thought we were coming through a pandemic. We might be coming through a pandemic, but now there's a resurgence you know, I think people were breathing a sigh of relief. Oh, it's coming to an end and now it's spiking again. Look, no, regardless of what your opinions are on the pandemic or masks or whatever, something I think we can all agree on is it's been a challenging time. It's oh, been challenging for the economy. It's been challenging for morale. It's been challenging for unemployment. It's been challenging for a, a host of different reasons. And on the show recently, Dennis, I've been speaking a lot to our listeners in regards to the value of resilience. And I got to believe after 20 years uh, in the military, you probably learned a little bit about the subject. So how would you define resilience and why does it matter? Sure. Uh, I define resilience as the ability to adapt to change, adversity, or hardship and really lean into it hmm. so that way you can get into a positive and productive direction. Mm -hmm. So it's not 
just about bouncing back. It's about bouncing back and moving in a positive direction. And uh, where did my definition come from and why does it matter? Well, it matters because with resilience, you're able to, to look at adversity, lean into it, and be your best self and get things done that matter to you so you can better yourself, better your community, and really better the world. Um, how did I learn it? Well, I learned it through success and failure. Uh, I said I was a commanding officer of, of a guided missile frigate. Hmm. And uh, I really knew what was required to be successful uh, because if you're not successful, you're not going to get the opportunity to be a commanding officer. So imagine yourself doing a national security mission off of the Winter Olympics in 2014. Imagine yourself close enough to the coast that you can actually see the Olympic torch in, in, in the foreground of the Sochi Mountains. Hmm. Imagine yourself on a mission with sailors and officers who are dedicated to mission accomplishment. And what you're doing is actually getting briefed to the highest levels of the military and civilian chain of command. Hmm. And then you have to check off station. You have to sail across the Black Sea to go what we refer to as a brief stop for fuel. And uh, so to get gas and groceries so you can go <laughs> do what you need to do again. And uh, then you have a mishap. So you go from the highest peak of professional success and professional performance to complete mission failure mm. in the span of about 24 hours. Mm. So how do you get from that valley and be productive? How do you, and that's resilience, right? So, so just interject. Yep, so here, here you are, I'm paying, this is, this is, I want to dive into this a little bit. You are lead command. You, you are communicating with the highest chain of command that we have as a, as a defense. You're a couple on of layers, a, but yes. <laughs> a couple layers. Um, so you're given a tremendous amount of responsibility. So in your mind as a leader, like you have that sense of, uh, you know, I've kind of arrived, uh, you know, all the hard work's paying off. I'm getting this ultimate responsibility. I'm here defending uh, at the biggest level on the biggest stage of the world right now. And you go to do what would seem to be a routine mission. And there's a major setback or something goes wrong. Am I hearing that right? You got it exactly right, Jeff. Okay. So the mishap happens. I mean, we're on the subject of resilience. What happens next and what does that look like? Yeah, what, what happened next uh, was exactly what should have happened. Because uh, as a commanding officer um, in the military, and I think that's one of the reasons why our military is one of the most trusted organizations in, in, the, in our country, is uh, as a commanding officer, you are absolutely responsible and you're absolutely accountable to all the things that the, that the men and women under your charge do, whether it's good or bad. Right. So after a brief investigation, I was relieved of command. Hmm. And uh, I had to figure out who I was. I had to figure out what mattered to me. 
and I had to figure out what I wanted to do next because I knew that I could still serve in the military right. for, for a long time, but I could not serve in a way that made sense for me. So I, would, I knew that I would never have the ability to command sailors and officers as a ship captain again. Hmm. Wow. I, you know, first off, thank you for your vulnerability. And as I'm hearing your story, I, I, I want to just take a, a moment here and talk to the leaders that uh, aren't risk takers or calculated risk takers. You know, what I admire about that story, Dennis, is, and, and what's coming to my mind is one way to never lose is to never play the game. You can leave this world with a perfect record of never losing. It's easy. Don't ever play. But it's the people that, you know, they grind it out. They prepare themselves. They're putting in the time. They're making personal sacrifices. They see this vision of being a commanding officer, knowing there's risk. Because to your point, it's like, man, if I mess this up, I'm going to lose everything. That's a big reason why some people never play. It's a, it's a big reason why I believe that some leaders never see their fullest potential is because they play it safe. Now, by no means am I saying that we should be out there being renegades, but I think we have to move in what we've prepared ourselves to do and be prepared when, it, when the time is right to take calculated risks, knowing that there is risks. So Dennis, I applaud. Uh, you know, the best way to never be relieved of command is never to be in command. Like, just never be in command. But you did that. You were relieved of command. And then it's like, man, how do you go from being the home run hitter to pinch hitting every third game? You can, uh, but do you, just because you can doesn't mean that you should. So how did you rebound from that? I mean, on this theme of resilience, one, you had to process it mentally, and then came the, the reality of what's next. How did you process it, and how did it lead you to where you are now? Yeah, no, and I appreciate the question. I, I would argue, Jeff, that I still might be processing it. <laughs> uh, five, five or so years after the fact. And, um, but I, I like to say that the sport of triathlon was what allowed me to think about it to reflect on it, to explore it, and then do something about it. I joke with friends and say, you know what? If you want to figure out who you are, you want to figure out what matters to you and what you want to do, register for a, for a half Ironman without any practice. Hmm. Uh, and, and honestly, that's what I did. And, uh, but you know what? When you have to train for something like that and you get the opportunity to be alone with your thoughts, hmm and really make that drive, that really dark, bumpy drive between your head and your heart, mm -hmm. um, it, it makes a difference. Yeah. And, uh, but what did doing that teach me? Well, it taught me, to your point earlier, you know, self-awareness is important. But just as important as self-awareness is, so is self-management. Mm -hmm. And right. understanding who you are, uh, but also managing that whole thing, but commitment and purpose. And I think there's a difference. Commitment to goals or goal setting, because you hear that all the time. Well, in my opinion, goal setting 
gets you to the starting line. It's that sense of purpose that gets you to the finish line. That's good stuff, Dennis. And it also taught me, because we talked about the benefits of team sports. And even though triathloning is an individual sport, it takes a team. It takes a team to provide some training, right? Because we talked about your strengths and your weaknesses before. Mm -hmm. Even though I was in the Navy, Jeff, I am a horrible swimmer. <laughs> we won't in terms of what I'm not good at, swimming. So hmm. I, had, I got a coach, and uh, she absolutely helped me out. Uh, but I also had a tribe of other triathletes who provided the energy, who provided the support, and who provided the accountability to, to make sure, sure that we did what we needed to do. Sure. And, um, you know, and I would say probably the other piece is understanding the difference between control and influence. Hmm. And knowing that, guess what? I can't control everything. And I, you know what? I can't influence everything. But if I take the time and step back and say, okay, you know what? What really matters to me right now? Yeah. And what's going to matter to me in the future? Yeah. And what can I control? Mm -hmm. what, are the, what are the controllables? Mm -hmm. and focus my time, energy, and attention on that. You're going to move in a positive direction. Love that. I love that. You know, and back to my earlier point of where we are in the world today and in the country today, man, there's so much happening that we can't control. We absolutely can't control. But there are so many things that we can control. And I think to your points and, and some of your examples, Dennis, you know, resilience is about um, talking about what you have left, not what's been taken. Yep. What, what do I got left to work with? Not, well, not what's been taken away. You know, and to piggyback off of that, you know, do you, are there any examples of maybe some of your biggest challenges or your biggest obstacles? I mean, obviously you gave us a big one already, but what are some things maybe that you've had to overcome either on a personal or professional level or both uh, that has made you a better leader? Uh, how did you learn from those things and what advice would you give to the leaders listening? Well, uh, I think a big piece, Jeff, and I appreciate you highlighting it because it's still a work in progress, mm -hmm. is openness and vulnerability. And when I, when I think about, well, why is openness and vulnerability a thing? Well, I, I, I had highlighted that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the son of a, of a combat, combat Marine mm -hmm. who then became a police officer. So in terms of openness and vulnerability, it might not have been a strong suit. So I, I, I grew up with that understanding. And then I spent 20 years in the military. And uh, I am not making assumptions about every military man or woman that's out there or generalizing about it. But I had a mindset about what military officers did and what they didn't do. And I was mission focused. So that sense of openness and vulnerability wasn't necessarily there. Mm -hmm. And I think that may have impacted some of the relationships that, I've, that I had, even though I was focused 
on the personal and professional development of my sailors and my officers, if I was a little bit more open and a little bit more vulnerable, I think those relationships would have been even better. Mm -hmm. And now that's a good point, Dennis. And I talk about that. Sorry to interject, but you know, here, here's the thing with that, that I think people need to get, because you'll have leaders that lead that way and maybe even more so than you did. And it's working for them. They have results. And so they're not open. They're not vulnerable. There's no transparency. There's all these other things. And here I am, here you are teaching them that there's a better way. Uh, you can, if you adopt these things, you can get better at what you're doing. And then you hear something like, well, it's working pretty good for me. Don't you feel Dennis, that that's when you should respond and say, well, imagine how good you could be. Cause here you are. I mean, you reached tremendous success in leadership and you're continuing that even now, but here you are reflecting back saying, man, I wonder, uh, I wonder how much better it could have been, right? How much, how much more, how much more effective could I have been with that? Right. Yeah. So what would you say to those leaders that are maybe leading right now, lacking that vulnerability, lacking that transparency, but they're winning at the highest level. What do you, what do you say to them? Well, what's your why? Uh, and uh, one of the books that was very, very helpful to me uh, was Adam Grant's book, Give and Take. It's not about, it's not about taking all the time. And, uh, you know, is it, is it all about you or is it all about other people? And when you start thinking about that, what's one of the key components of any highly effective team or organization, it's trust. Mm -hmm. And sure. what are the elements of trust? It's reliability, credibility, relationships, and then, you know, orientation. And if your orientation is all about you and your success, people aren't going to trust you. And in the military, well, guess what? We've, we've got a mission, we've got an objective, and we have to do that. And I had a friend of mine who, who talked about, you know, sometimes, you know, leadership when you're in a structured organization doesn't really have to be leadership. It's really mm -hmm. about powership. Mm -hmm. And you can tell people to get things done and they do it sure. because they have to. Sure. But really what you want to do is establish that trust so people want to do things. Yes. Great, great, great point. You know, I tell leaders that have that mindset a lot is, do you have people that are afraid to do it wrong or people that don't want to let you down? There's a difference in that mentality, Huge right? Huge difference, Jeff. Huge, Huge difference. difference. You know, and when you have people surrounded by you as a leader that don't want to let you down, it's because there's an emotional investment. There's been deposits that have been made. You can absolutely lead the ship. Uh, by making sure that you have a big stick and that people are afraid to fail. It, it can be effective. Don't know if it's sustainable, and I can guarantee you will never reach your fullest potential. Dennis, these are some tremendous, tremendous points. I feel like we could talk all day and maybe we'll, we'll grab a virtual coffee and continue the conversation here. But, to it. you know, again, uh, you know, as we celebrate this season of the 4th of July, our freedom, our independence. Uh, it's, it's guys like you. It's soldiers that you've led, uh, the soldiers continuing to serve that make sure that that happens. Whether you agree with uh, 
you know, face masks or not, uh, no matter what your political affiliation is. So uh, whether you agree with rioting or not, it's the soldier that makes sure that you have the right to do it. So Dennis, once again, thank you for your service. Thank you for imparting some wisdom of leadership experiences that you've encountered in the military. And now you're even making deposits uh, into the business world. So on that note, um, how can people learn more about you? Where, where can they find you? Sure. Uh, and, and Jeff, I, I wanted to say thanks again for the opportunity. And uh, for me, as, as an executive coach, it's about providing informed insight, experience, perspective, uh, focused effort, and really unfiltered accountability to empower people and to think differently to behave differently and to do differently so they could be the best version of themselves, both professionally and personally. So my goal, my mission is to be a trusted advisor in both work and life. Yeah. And uh, to get a hold of me, uh, LinkedIn is is definitely a way to do that. I I probably spent a little bit too much time on there. (laughs) Um, But uh, you can also email me at uh, dennis.volpe at lri.com or you know what we can just have a conversation and you could just call me and uh, my number is 904-861-9155 and uh, if you want to just talk about how to transform yourself and your life i'd love to have a conversation outstanding outstanding not many people have thrown their cell phone out there. So this guy means business. He's ready to roll. I absolutely love it. Well, uh, Dennis, once again, thanks for being on the show. Listener, uh, in the show notes, uh, you will have all of Dennis's contact information. I would challenge you to take him up on his offer to uh, have a virtual coffee chat with him. He has loads of deposits. Uh, I've had a few conversations with Dennis now, and I can tell you, He is absolutely the real deal. And here's another big difference with Dennis. He has real life experience. This isn't an armchair quarterback that's given you what he learned from the most recent leadership seminar. This is a guy that has walked it out. So uh, make sure that you check into that. If you want to make sure that you have the show notes emailed to you every single week, make sure you go to thechampionforum.com forward slash show notes. And don't forget, registration is open now. For our leadership development groups, you can go to thechampionforum.com forward slash groups to get registered today. We will be starting those virtual leadership groups in about two weeks. So again, thanks for being on today. Thanks for listening into the Champion Forum podcast. And never forget this, you all have been set up to be champions in this life. The Champion Forum podcast with Jeff Hancher. Lead, inspire, win. Win.